This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was Paul Simon, and our guest was Jesse Epstein. Please enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. It is episode number 26, and I am Billy Scafuri. I'm still Adam Lustig. Still Adam Lustig. Still am that. This is coming off of the heels of episode 25. Birthdays. We talked about the silver uh, anniversary. I think it is silver. Has that been confirmed? 25 uh, years of silver? I don't really confirm much. We don't want to confirm. We pod, and then we hope that the people will correct us. Not only are we not fact checkers, we're not even really opinion checkers. Nobody wants to fact check themselves. No one wants to check anything. You throw out an opinion. And that's fact now. Yeah. And then you assume that someone on Twitter is going to be like, wrong, fail, here's why. That's social media. If you don't get any wrong, fail, here's why's, assume you're right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your birthday week has come and gone, Adam. Yes, it's come and gone. I feel like a 33-year-old Christ figure. You are now in back to boring, normal society. Now I'm just a dull everyman, John Q. Public, wandering around the streets, having it not be my birthday. No free ice cream. Bullshit. No one's going to give you any sort of extra sympathy or empathy. Sorry, where are you getting this free ice cream for your... Oh, you does don't that, know? Does that happen? You don't know about the free ice cream? Please? I didn't get the email. I didn't. Oh, uh, you know why? Where does that come from? No, it's a very specific uh, birthday society. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe yeah. we can talk about this offline. Yes. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> but what we can talk about online yes. is that we got one of our homies in the studio today. <sighs> one of today. our favorite, favorite people of all the time. We play a lot of our music yep. in the transitions of the act breaks. Yes. Um, well, this dude is probably the best musician that I know and in a Los Angeles. a proper musician. Yeah. Yes. He's been indirectly... Um, mentioned on the show before. In fact, yep. in the Loud Places episode, I talked about how I've made all these great friends yep. from California who yep. are soft-spoken yep. and very different from me because I'm a bull in the china shop. Uh, and that was uh, in reference to the dude sitting next to you, Adam Lustick, our good friend. You know him as Imaginary, uh, Imaginary Future, the musician, but this is Jesse Epstein. Hey, guys. Hi, Jesse. Hi. Yes. How are you, super man? Hard, so good. Super hard to uh, introduce someone and also have a question for them to kick off the conversation. <laughs> yes. You know what I, I mean? I would imagine so. I yeah. would imagine so. Yeah. It just, we really leave our guests with a high guys option. High guys, yeah. I'll say hi, guys, and I'll also say it's so hard not to laugh while you're doing your intro. Oh. sit here. I had to cover my mouth and turn away from the mouth. <laughs> Jesse. Oh, that's thoughtful. Jesse, you've been a longtime listener, and we really appreciate your constant and adamant support of this podcast. Oh, it guys, really means a lot. Every week, every Friday, it's, driving in the car, just so happy to put it on. <laughs> so where do you listen to it? You listen to it in your car? I your- listen to it in the car. Uh, I listen to it. Sometimes I'll put in some headphones mm-hmm. while I'm doing right. the dishes. Yeah. Nice. Podcasts are a very personal listening experience. Absolutely. It's so different than like listening to albums right. with friends and stuff. It feels very like uh, direct to consumer. It's, it's like my intimate. my specific experience with this podcast. It's our thoughts, but in your brain. Yes. Right. I think the only time I ever listened to a podcast with others was like the finale of, of Serial. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. It's like, I guess let's throw a party. And then no one knew what to do because there was just – 
it was on and we're all like sitting in a circle. It's like, like you we should hold... haven't done this before. Do you like hold pads just yeah. to make it feel like you're more active <laughs> in the experience? So it's like a workshop. Let's just hold pads. It was so I was imagining like this must have been what it was like when you used to like listen to the ball game on the radio. Totally, like, the family like, still or... do actually still listen to the baseball's great to listen to. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. do that. It's amazing because it's so much about setting the scene. Yes. Baseball is such an inactive sport that you need to just yeah. be like a sp- audio space filler. And what's more audio space? filler than adam and i on this podcast that's right so true there is something so hilarious about a group a listening party though it is so funny i mean like i get like kanye rents out madison square garden like plays yeezus like a listening party and it's like all the like culturati of new york come and like that's one thing but when you're list like the serial finale i'm like getting a group of people into a room (laughs) and just like listening to other people talk quietly and reasonably well you like you're just like i don't know but I, i i often wish that music and podcasts, I guess, were more of a primary form of entertainment because mm-hmm. they're not. It's always like something else is going on. It's the complementary yeah, it's like another to the thing, thing we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like really nice sometimes to just do that. Like yeah. just put on an album and right. do nothing else. Yep. I you know? interned at Columbia Records and we've talked about that before yep. when I was in college. Yep. And oh, actually, this was before that. So this was when I was in college. I interned where I was like, what they called me was a like college rep or something. Right. But it was for a record label called Aware Records. Okay. And they at the time had Five for Fighting. Oh, sure. Oh, I'm yeah. not scared to fly. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm not that naive. That was almost the Neville Brothers there. Almost <laughs> yeah. the Neville Brothers territory. Almost. That was yeah, my yeah. half Neville. <laughs> 25 episodes later, I finally went half Neville. I understand that reference. Yeah. Yeah. Long time You're one of the only I'm people. so proud of myself. You uh, and my mother. Yeah. They also had John Mayer, and they had a few other people, but it was like really emo rock. But so what was my job as a college rep? Yeah. Um, it was to sometimes host listening parties where they would send me like tw- a box of like 30 CDs and they would give me petty cash to buy a keg. And it, I would have like I put up posters and like hand out matchbooks for five for fighting. <laughs> I'm not scared to, <laughs> to fly. fly. This goon on the rugby team is handing out matchbooks, <laughs> championing five for fighting. You guys want to get sensitive, but together? <laughs> yeah, dude. You guys want to feel vulnerable together? I threw yeah. listening parties, and they did not sell any five for fighting <laughs> <laughs> records. Yeah. Um, your wife Kina and you tour a lot. Um, we do. Yeah. Do you guys? Have like the, the like college rep thing. Are you on a record label? Does that no? We're we're, we're independent. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, the so, modern artist. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been been pretty amazing to be able to kind of not be beholden to a label. Yeah. Right. Do what we want. Make the music we want. Right. Yeah. How long have you been playing music for, Jess? I started in in high school. Oh wow. Uh, Kina, my wife, mm-hmm. uh, Kina Granis, actually taught me how to play guitar, which no is kind of crazy. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. That is romantic. She was um, playing at like coffee shops in high school. I and, bet she was. Yeah, she was. She probably had like a cool knit hat. She would play in a coffee shop, um, and sometimes like during a quiet song, they'd like start blending a frappuccino. And it'd be <gasps> like, oh, it was one of those. That's like the early gigs. Like, get ready for this really emotional moment. And vanilla frappuccino. Oh, yeah. my God. Harvard Sailing Team has an experience similar to that. I'm sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt. But no, no. remember what, what we were doing a show at Bryant Park. It was the first show we ever got paid for. It was Beautiful. like a corporate gig. Beautiful. Do you know the moment that I'm leading up Obviously. to? Obviously. Tell it. It was like this big, loud, noisy restaurant in the middle of Bryant Park. And we, yeah. like, we went in there to do this like holiday show for one of our team members' dad's companies. They didn't give a shit that we were there. So they we... were wasted. There was a DJ. And now a sketch troupe is we... about to storm the floor unnecessarily. <laughs> we were like the eighth thing that was focused on in the room at any given time. And we were in the middle of one of our sketches. And again, like we take our craft quite seriously. And of these course. are sketches with lines and pauses. And like it's measured. So we were there. And <laughs> again, it's like a bar atmosphere. Everyone is talking. No one is paying attention. There's not 
not a stage, it's a dance floor, yeah, which just, means that anyone can just bleed in yeah. and out of the stage, and they're kind of allowed. There's, like, other music definitely being played right. also over the PA system, for sure. Uh, and then during the middle of one of the sketches, uh, our teammate Katie was standing the sort of, like, stage right, sort of, like, on the edge of the sketch. She's in the scene. She's in the scene. We're playing a scene, and just one of the drunk dads came up and just went, uh, just, like, just draped her arm around Katie. was like, which one of you is Bill's kid? <laughs> just, like, in the middle of, in the middle of our art. No one was Bill's kid. No, just the human frappuccino maker, it's, basically. It, 100%. It's human. unbelievable when people are so oblivious to art that's being created. I, I, I think my worst one with that is at a show, somebody sat on the stage while I was playing a no, song. come on. But they faced the other way. Wait a second. They sat on the stage and faced out toward the crowd. <laughs> like and they I were performing too? Just sat, They were just sitting there, <laughs> sipping on their beer. And now, I, okay. I was looking down and just being like, oh. you have a free pass to horse kick them square <laughs> in the back. <laughs> oh, you could have done a variety of sweet ninja moves to get rid thinking, of the garbage. I was thinking, what what's the best thing to say We've here? We've seen just... you perform live many a time and you, are, you shine, obviously, when you're playing your well, songs, you. but you shine even brighter when you get to shtick in oh, between. The you love oh, the you love to play with the audience. You yes. love to get your fun bridges in. And I, I just saw and they say that every comedian wants to be a rock star and every that's rock star wants say. to be a comedian. Yeah, yeah. But it was it's just true. like that's your, it seemed true. like you were racing to those moments. I saw Jeff Tweedy perform once and he was just like, you know, he's known for having migraines and being like sensitive and serious, you know, the lead singer of Wilco. Sure, yeah, yeah. He was killing it. He had A plus banter yeah, material yeah. for days. Yes. I feel like that you earn the applause or the laughter at least, right? So if you're playing a song and you know you finish the song, everyone in the audience is gonna clap. What are you totally. gonna do? Not clap. But then in between, yeah. you tell a joke, say something funny, you win them get over some twice. laughs. They you don't have to laugh. They don't have to. And they're not even necessarily expecting to laugh when they no. go to see you perform. It's, it's like a surprise. Exactly. It's right. a pleasant surprise. Yeah. One of, and I just want to sort of make a bridge into our topic du jour, which is one of the better sort of in-between song storytellers and banterers that I saw recently. Yes. Uh, was uh, this person who was the subject of our podcast, Paul Simon. Oh, Paul Simon. Oh, the Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Yep. Who I saw recently at the Hollywood Bowl, and he told an amazing story about his song Spirit Voices, which Are you is... about to talk about his tea drinking? Yeah, his tea <laughs> drinking. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. I oh, was there, there too. too. Oh, that's right. I was at that show. Exactly. We didn't see each other. We didn't see each there. other. Yeah, we saw mutual friends. But he told an amazing story about going to Peru, uh, sipping some tea, chilling out with a guru, getting high as hell on ayahuasca. That's right. Uh, and writing that song Spirit Voices kind of as a result or and that came out of that experience. Spirit Voices is on his most recent album? No, that oh. is either Rhythm of the Saints or I think Rhythm, Rhythm of, the of the Saints. Saints. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Got That's it. one of the older ones. Well, it's the first act of the No Joke podcast and in it we like to talk about our first experiences with the topic at hand. Today's topic is Paul Simon. Oh. And I, just for just for why we're here. Sure. Um, like we said, Keena and Jesse are very talented musicians, and recently they posted a cover of Paul Simon's Graceland. Oh, one of the best. One of I the mean, best. you guys are so great. Oh. We could replace the national anthem with Graceland. I think we should. And I think that it would be pretty... With the entirety of the album. The album. Like, the just, fu- like, like and now we're going to wait for 45 minutes Seriously? before the basketball game begins. I'm we're into gonna it. start Graceland. Just, just fill up on Gatorade as we go through the track. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll start that petition if you're not going I'm to, Jesse. In. I'll start I will that. sign that. First day. MoveOn.org. Yeah. They posted yeah. this video, and it was so profoundly beautiful. It was really lovely. That I... You know when you see something that you're proud of your friends, you text them, and you're like, hey, great job. Saw you in that show. Yep. Um, no. I immediately bypassed the text. <laughs> and I was like, this, we're Jesse. going straight... Gotta tell him. Going straight into the voice. Yep. Talked to Jesse for a few minutes, and he mentioned... I was like, are you a big fan of Paul Simon? He said, it's one of my favorite songwriters of all time. And Ever. I said, well, Adam, Mr. Adam Lustig, kind of... Uh, 
gave me my first go round with Paul Simon. That was really flattering t- for me to hear that. Yeah. So it's yeah. only logical that the three of us sit in this room yeah. and discuss our first experiences with Paul Simon. Jesse, do you remember the first time that you crossed paths with Paul Simon? I uh, it was high school. And a friend of mine, Dave DeLima, who you both know, his dad was a big Paul Simon fan. Cool. All of our and dads are. I was just so taken with his his sound, just mm-hmm. right off the bat. And I remember uh, I was learning guitar at the time. Yeah. And I I started learning his... I was doing like strumming, you know, when you first play guitar, you're strumming. Yeah, yeah. And then I heard Leaves That Are Green, which is one of his early songs from Paul Simon's song. Kind of folksy. It's folksy. It's really finger picking heavy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I remember going online and I found this website that had his all the Paul Simon tabs. Tabs, It was dog. just this one guy. His name was like Brad something. Paul Simon. He, and yeah. he, he just posted all of them. He's like, I'm a huge Paul Simon fan. And I just sat there for hours. And there's something about the finger picking songs and it's just he, it's just Paul and his guitar yeah. and there's something so approachable about that right yeah. where it's like oh I can do that that's just a guy and his guitar <laughs> right. versus like I grew up on the Beatles it's like I'm not gonna like it's, if you're listening to like the benefit of Mr. Kite or yeah, something or like Magical Mystery Tour you're like that. How, what are these sounds and, like yeah. I can't do this and bands presume <laughs> luck like you met the right dudes that support your vision and like when you're just a kid who is inspired it's like if all I need is a guitar and this website absolutely Paul Simon is incredibly approachable He's right there. And he's so like, he just feels so like soft and sensitive and gentle and poetic in his way that it just feels very approachable. Absolutely. I can do this. Yeah. And at the time I was also listening to like Iron and Wine and Sufjan Stevens who are, you know, like were current musicians who were doing kind of a similar thing. And just going back and listening, there was like, there's a big similarity to me between the two of them. Totally. Yeah. It uh, seems like Paul Simon's sort of singer, songwriter influence is, is wide. Totally. Yeah. He's Although, like, and yet there's no one. It's funny that you say that. And it's like, I'm not, you, both of you guys know infinitely more about music, like contemporary pop music than I do. But I just feel like for, I love Sufjan Stevens. I'm like artists of that ilk. Um, but it just seems like Paul Simon still remains this oh, unique yeah. Sort of obviously, sort of irre- uh, what am I trying to say? Uncopyable, irrepeatable yes. entity. Where it's like his influences are so broad. Like he he take he like culls these musical influences and sounds from like all over the world. And it seems like he's like this globalization, this global musician. Right. It's hard to repeat. I just haven't seen anyone that yeah. like, sort of fills that same lane or something. I, I think like the closest kind of contemporary musician that that really was heavily influenced is like Vampire Weekend. Sure, I remember when oh, they yeah. put this out. I was like, oh, they did it. Yeah, like brought Paul Simon. Yes, I remember when Vampire Weekend came out. They described it as Upper East Side Soweto was like the genre, <laughs> oh, of that. and that was basically also Paul Simon. I mean, that's yeah. what that is. You're so right. But I think what was so cool at the time was I was learning these slow kind of finger picky songs, and then I discovered Graceland. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I can dance around. Right. And, and we, in, uh, I think, junior or senior of high school, do you guys know air guitar? Is that a thing that you guys... Yeah, yeah sure. of course. So we performed... To, air folk guitar? To No, we we did You Can Call Me Out. Oh, classic. Then a uh, man walks down the street says, why am I soft in the middle, okay? And we dress up and dance around our high school stage and... and it's just like so fun. It's so hard to make music that's that much fun. Yeah, and it still feels really genuine and heartbreaking. Me You're and so Will- right. That that is one of the br- beautiful, beautiful, brilliant dichotomies of Paul Simon. Is that I feel like he is both heartfelt, sincere. He's profound. He's worldly. He's like uh, conscious and aware. And he's also really silly. 
There's yes. like a, a deeply silly the lyrics, yeah, so silly and so goofy, right? Imaginative, and imaginative, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's almost no mistake that he's so close with Lorne Michaels, right? And that like he's like almost I associate him with SNL in that weird way oh, too. Oh yeah, he's like for there's like, a very a iconic. Yeah, so that he's performance. been on. He's been on some of the nine eleven one. Is that the one that you're thinking? Well, no, you tell that one first. I mean, and then I'll after nine eleven, I think it was maybe a week after. I don't know if you guys remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching of SNL, and he had. Uh, all of the uh, firefighters yeah. behind him, yep. and he played the boxer. Yep. And I was just crying. Yeah. Just watching, it, it just spoke so much more, you know, to your heart than any words could have at that time. It was incredible. I was he, blown away by that. Performance. He, yeah, he represents some of my favorite aspects of New York City. Yes. He just feels like one of those little New York tent poles that you could be like, he's ours. And uh, literally <laughs> little. He's like a little Martian so of a man. Tiny, he's like a right. tiny so little tiny. diminutive little Lilliputian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, like a genius. We very briefly mentioned uh, you and Kina singing uh, the Graceland cover. Yeah. I say we segue into that in our first act Please. and we pick up right where we are Let's in the it. second. Mississippi Delta shining like a national guitar. I am following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War. I'm going to Graceland, Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to Graceland. Poor boys and pilgrims, the families, and we are going. My traveling companion is nine years old He's a child of my first marriage Graceland, Graceland, I'm going to Graceland. 
That was Jesse and Kina covering Graceland by Sir Paul Simon. He's not knighted. You just knighted him right I now. Just, I just did, you just can, now. You have the power to do that. Right? In England, not you, in America, okay. in I, England. I will trade you um, the code to get into the free ice cream on your birthday yes. club for the power to knight people on site. Again, we can talk about that offline, Bill, because okay. I'm a little stung that I wasn't on the birthday email to begin with. You know, there's a lot of popular shows now where it's like uh, after the after the thrones <laughs> and stuff like that. We should do a podcast immediately following our podcast. Called Some Joke. Some Joke. Yeah, yeah. Where you're just recapping what what was good, exactly. what didn't work. Everything we yeah. promised, everything we promised to say offline will then be brought online yes. in an offline fashion. Exactly wow. for you to consume online. Wow. Exactly, it's clear. It's crystal clear. Super I clear. It. I feel like you explained that perfectly. Right, um, Jesse. Do you have a favorite Paul Simon album? I know that's almost like choosing between your children, but do you have one that you go to time and time again? I think I go back to Graceland. That's the one. Yeah, I think so. Can we get I, some tracks that are currently on Graceland just for the the mind's eye? What's songs or what iconic songs we oh got uh graceland okay um mm-hmm. diamonds on the soles of her shoes oh. um and did, a, a, a big one she's a rich boy don't leave me money diamonds on the soles of her shoes and who are the guys whoa, 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 whoa. lady smith black oh yeah. yeah yeah that that vibe of that diamonds on the soles of her shoes oh forever and then forever. uh boy in the bubble do you guys know that one yeah kick it off um, a little bit these are the days of miracle and wonder this is a long distance call the way the camera follows us in slow mo the way we look to us all so oh, that, yeah. song, oh, that song we would okay high school junior year of high school most everyone else is like driving around listening to rap yes dave delima a couple other friends Love and myself Dave. are we have created Corey. Oh, this is so nerdy. <laughs> and dude, if you were in New York in high school, you'd be hanging out with our friends I, so hard. We are driving around in his in his black Toyota Camry, all in, and just blasting "Boy <laughs> in the Bubble." These and are the we days have a, a miracle in one. We have a full choreographed dance routine to hands? this in the car. Dance. Hands? I'm oh, saying hands, with your hands, legs, everything. Wow. Lasers in the jungle. Lasers in the jungle somewhere. You yeah. can't see it, but Jesse is currently shooting lasers. lasers. I'm doing things in the jungle. We, it was unbelievable. Yes. We were just laughing, and that was our private thing. We yes. didn't, that was just like us four. Sounds like pure joy. <laughs> it was incredible. Can I just tack on to that and say that I played varsity basketball? I sat the bench on my varsity basketball team. As did I. Every, good. Every single player got to choose. Like, we had every single player, we got to rotate, and like the yes. week that it was mine to both run through the paper, break the paper ball, and like sort of like lead the warm up. Yes. That person also got to pick the song that we ran out to. Uh, every other song was was Biggie, was Tupac, was DMX, Nas, was DMX, here, was up in here. KRS One was a big one. Lo- yeah, step into that was a big one. Okay, so like that was like the standard to your point. Like this yes, is what kids are listening to in the nineties. You have to uh, set the bar here. Set the bar this there. Is where the normal kids are. When it was my turn, I said, "What about Paul Simon, Cecilia?" Oh Cecilia, my. Bum, bum, you're breaking my heart. Okay, you're taking my confidence daily. So I was like, "Let's war- Let's like come out." to that song yeah. like, are there even drums <laughs> is there a bass line it starts with like the boom, beep, beep, boom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. and I was like that's enough to get us fired up like that craftsmanship and artistry leaves. waste yeah. of speakers the, the rest uh, of my basketball team looked at me like with pleading in their eyes and my friend Matt was like no Please, oh. no. Don't make us come out to Paul Simon's Cecilia. We would have Please. considered Kodachrome, yeah. I guess. <laughs> like, exactly. Cecilia was the, was the first 
Paul Simon song that I covered on stage nice. when I was playing. Really? And I loved, yeah, I was in a, I was in a little folk trio called Payphones uh, Ooh, outside of college. Adorable. With Taylor Rice and okay. a couple other people. And we uh, played Cecilia and it was so much fun yeah. to play that song on stage. Yeah. It's so emotive, and, so, and but it's fun at the same time. It's like, again, he does that thing where it's like really I'm, heartbreaking but feels joyful. I'm not a musician, so I can't answer this question. And I'm certainly not a talented enough guitarist to know. Is his are his songs easy to pick up, or or is there are they actually complicated? Because a lot of like the you know easiest things that look so easy are actually really like formulaic and thought out. Yeah, I Can think you... I think some of them are are pretty easy to pick up. Right. Um. You know, I think that because it's like acoustic guitar based. Right. Um, like it, I learned Weezer songs pretty easily. Hmm. Like that was like the same chord progression almost always, and like the, sure. the layouts of the songs were very simple. Hmm. And... Yeah, I think that his are a little more intricate and complex than that. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it more challenging, mm-hmm. of course. Um. But there are certainly really approachable ones. Right. I mean, he has he's one of the best guitar... I think he's, like, one of the 100 best guitar players of all time. Really? He's considered? To, yeah. And at the at the show, he has he had a new-ish song called Rewrite. Mm. Remember he did that one? He's, mm-hmm. like, started hitting on the guitar. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I'm working on my rewrite. Yes. That's oh, yeah. That's, like... And, yeah. yeah. What's incredible is that he wrote that song, like... I don't know, in the last 15 years wow. when he was like 65. Like he's he's 74 years old. Well, that's so... Energizer bunny. He's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, he, he, like, he's just still, he's still pumping out. He's like a prolific artist still, right? He's like amazing. He still yes. puts out yeah, albums. Yeah, he just put out a record when he's 73, he just right. recorded it, and he's on stage dancing around. I mean... And like, it's exquisite. Like some of the songs at this new album are so like good. some of my favorite Paul Simon songs. And his voice at the Hollywood Bowl Stop it. projecting clear, incredible... Crystal clear. I mean, it gives me, and I think it should give many artists hope that he, when he put out Graceland, do you guys know how old he was? Tell me. He was 45 no years old. No shit. Man. Really? So it's like, nice. you can be like in your early 30s wow. being like, I got time. Mature as I'm an gonna, artist. Gonna, yeah. There is truly no out. rush. Is exactly. That, when it's know, out, it's it out. It gives you hope. It's yeah. incredible that he is considered uh, such a high-ranking guitarist, because what I really, I think my favorite aspect of him, of many, is his poetry oh. yeah the, his 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 lyrics yes. the, the way that he so simply unlocks storytelling like the narratives i see everything that he's talking about it's just yeah. beautiful and, I, and there's a flow to his melodies that that has always really drawn me to him where it's kind of like the, the syncopation of them it's yeah. almost like rap in a way where he finds these yeah, really yes. cool cadences yeah kind of bounce it's like so bouncy so and bouncy like switching around and idiosyncratic and one of my favorite things is that he is like the lyrics are sometimes so specific like don't i know you from the cinematographer's party like uh, they're so specific that they can't Le- like it's the opposite of generic lyrics. It's not the universal. Opposite. It's not universal. It's like these weird yeah. specific phrases. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? That just like ring out forever yeah. because they're so particular and unique and weird. But that's and what's I, cool. Exactly. Yeah. That's the best. That's, yeah. It's yeah. like give me specificity. I don't even need to know necessarily what you're talking about, but it makes me more excited about yes. whatever yeah. you're talking about. And I, I remember doing kind of a deep dive into his really early stuff. He started mm. playing with Garfunkel when he was like 12. Yeah. Right. They were camp buddies. Yes. Yeah. Right. And they yes. and they went under the name Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Which is so great. Um, <laughs> and so they, he started pretty simple with yeah. the songs. Like, yeah. there was a song that I remember called "Hey Schoolgirl." Do you guys know that one? Mm-hmm. It's like "Hey Schoolgirl" in the second row, the teacher looking over, so I better whisper way down low. Uh. I said, "Um, babaluchi, bob, let's meet after school at three. Yeah. First of all. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lyric. That's a lyric. That's a great lyric. That's a this, super lyric. This so, all sounds like plausible Paul Simon he's music. Like, he's like 14 and he writes this great song he's and it's so like good. so fun. And But I mean, I think that, you know, over the years when you've been writing music for 60 years, Literally. like 
twice as long as we've all been alive. Right. Like right. you can just play around in that space and get right. so creative and so interesting. Yes. It's incredible. We haven't even talked about Garfunkel, I but I think that's totally worthy well, of a conversation. Yeah. That was my, I mean, you said Graceland. That's obviously a go-to sure. solo album, of course. Yeah. Rhythm of the Saints is up there for me. So amazing, obviously. Yeah. But I think the one that I have like Bridge. worn out Central is the Park. live, is the Central concert Park. in Central Park. I mean, mm. of course. I mean, like that Simon and Garfunkel concert in the park is like, was the thing that yes. I knew the most. I don't yes. know. You can't assume that everyone's been to New York City, but Central Park oh. is obviously quite large. Right. Um, it travels, what, from like 57th to like 110th? That's about something like right. that. Yeah. And so that's like 55 blocks. That's big. They filled one million people at yeah. that concert. Yes. One million human beings yeah. Yeah. went to see Simon Garfunkel. And that's totally awesome. Yeah. And their music is amazing. But can you imagine a folk concert that day? It's not Tiesto. Generating. Right. There's yes, not exactly. Beats and everyone's sitting Tiesto. on the grass. Yeah. You're you so- can see the video. <laughs> totally. And they're just sitting there and he's playing a little, he's playing, you know, the boxer, this exactly. little acoustic guitar line. Exactly. To one million of his closest friends yeah. a million people yeah. needed simon and garfunkel yeah i mean their their songs were yes and that was the reunion that was maybe i don't know you tell me 15 20 years after that was they had like sort of eight, split up early 80s 81 yeah, i think eight, that was 81 yeah yeah so they so came they, out the gate as a duo and then paul did his own thing Correct. yeah and okay. then they'd kind of come back and, mm-hmm. and and circle around each other over the years but and, I mean, and paul was the primary uh, songwriter oh, yeah. in Absolutely. The group. Absolutely. and garfunkel Absolutely. was there for high harmonies yep. He's beautiful great. voice beautiful yeah. angelic falsetto yep. voice yeah right yeah really lovely okay but, but it, paul was the brains of the, the operation guy. i think that's i yes. think that's fair to say that is a known that is known he you know it makes me envious though for that time doesn't it where it's like everyone can just be there and that was like the popular music right you know just like a guy strumming on a guitar yeah right oh it's pretty it, I know, but it seemed, what do you think it is? Is that there just, there wasn't, was there more appreciation for poetry and lyrics and that type of music? Was there less competition for musicians to be seen? What made it, what made them so captivating in the time? I wonder, I wonder about that. I mean, I think that to Jesse's point, I just think that Paul Simon was so deft at like appropriating or, or just like not even mimicking, but just like seamlessly playing around with different genres. Like there's a reggae vibe to a lot of his songs, like a big Jamaican influence, like an African influence. I right. just feel like his taste was so ex- is so expansive yeah. right. and his expertise is just kind of undeniable right. and almost Cra- like crazy and yeah. bridge over troubled water and some these songs are like master songs beautiful yes. they deserve yes. a million people i mean absolutely yeah slip sliding away and like all of and he can just oh, bounce so seamlessly away. between like these like bittersweet is that is that simon and garfunkel slip sliding away yes written slip by paul simon yeah, yeah. that might be a paul simon solo yeah so good you know you need your destination the more you slip sliding away and he could just so easily bounce between that like a melancholy heartfelt oh, there's a line in that song um, uh, you know about days when I lie in bed and think of things that might have been that song that Gut, line gutting. a bad days when I lie in bed and think of things that might have been right that you. kills yeah, me gut test kills me right the best. and then he has that song late in the evening oh, oh where he's like there's a part where he goes I walked outside and I had myself a J and I was just like yo enjoy New York enjoy right it. now Paul enjoy get out there yeah. Yeah. I guess you didn't understand that reference in high school any of us I know totally yeah boys yeah. Uh, so are shooting pool I love that yeah but he bounces so between like whimsical and playful and serious and introspective and love songs and Ugh. silly party songs Absolutely. and he just his 
breadth is so wide. And it, it makes me as a musician want to explore all of those places. Like yeah. as a musician, I started just in my bedroom, acoustic guitar, sad, slow. It's like the stuff that comes first. Yeah. And now as I, as I kind of progress more, I really find myself wanting to play around and make a song that makes me want to dance around the studio yes. and up around. Right. Yeah. And he's a huge reason for that, if not the reason. Yes. Right. It's funny. His lyrics are like, would, I, you guys clearly know more than I do, but it seems like a lot of musicians want to write metaphorical lyrics, lyrics that like you have to kind of interpret over time. His seem pretty straightforward. That's the, what's beautiful about that. He's pretty straightforward. Yes. You might not know the reference that he's talking about, but he's talking like real words. Yes. These are like real sentences. Yeah. America is such a wonderful uh, and beautiful song because so many of the phrases of that, um, it's like the last cigarette. I think there's one in my raincoat. It's just like all of these, spe- it's just yeah. Spe- yeah. the specificity and the imagery that he paints is so clear and just so specific. I mean, that song always That's kind of reminded me. be lovers on yeah. Together. Most beautiful. Imaginable. Uh, Imaginable. American Tune is one of my secrets. He talks about Kathy in that one. I think that was his first wife. He he mentions Kathy a lot in the early songs, um, which is so cool. It's just like the name of his wife. It's to your point where he's just talking about what's happening. Yeah. He was very specifically. To Carrie Fisher for a while, right? Yeah. And he said, one and one half wandering Jews. I think he was referring to him and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The way that he weaves his biography and his real, like his actual innate biography and elevates it to poetry um god i love you paul it's simon. so hard to do that as a <laughs> yeah. songwriter so he's, hard he's the best uh one of my secret favorite paul simon albums yeah. and paul simon ventures that uh my dear dear best friend from home sean and i obsess over is the broadway musical the cape man. songs from the cape man no you know it know it and nobody lo- knows it. love love it this is a broadway show that oh. he wrote i want to say in like 1997 or 1998 that starred mark anthony Yes. The Broadway show That's starred right. the actor slash singer yes. Mark Anthony, uh, and the Al- I never saw the show because it ran on Broadway for like a minute, oh, literally it, it like two bombed, performances. Bombed. bombed. I think it was may he have lost the millions re- of dollars lost it yeah. all, and I literally think it was on Broadway for less than a week. Literally, That's the same with the Billy Joel musical. Same thing happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the songs, I, but the songs are so good, are so beautiful. When I first heard that, I didn't know it was a musical. I just like put in a new Paul it Simon CD as a kid that I, I got. And I just was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. This is an amazing record. That could record. be Hamilton. Hamilton exactly. could just be a pretty yeah, weird a rap album. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what I loved about it was, too, is that, like, you know, most original Broadway cast recordings, they use the original Broadway cast. But for Songs of the Cape Man, Paul Simon all just Paul. did all the songs. All Paul. He's like, I'm yes. going to take this one. I, 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 I got, got it. This. Yeah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> like, Mark Anthony was on the CD, and, like, he sang one of the tracks that he did, but the majority of the songs, Paul Simon, I was like, I, I wrote it. I'll do it. And that's what the people wanted. <laughs> yeah, of course. We yes. don't need a Mark Anthony it covering Paul. It would have been a smash. Right. Paul doing Seriously. all the roles. Turns out it was just a concert. Yeah. It was just a residency. Show, yeah. It was just a residency on a Broadway stage. But like changing outfits and just being all the characters, that would have been right. incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of live performance, we are about to do something we've never done on the show before. Yes, this is unprecedented. Yeah, we are going to uh, put pressure on Jesse. Yeah. To right. uh, p- potentially play a Paul Simon song I, of his I, choosing. That would be a treat for us if you're willing. Yeah. So we are going to just take a quick break. Great. We're all going to get uh, just a sip of water. Great. Jesse's going to play you a song. We'll be right back. I hear the drizzle of the rain Like a memory falls Soft and warm continuing Tapping on my roof and walls From the shelter of my mind Through the wind 
of my eyes I gaze beyond the rain-drenched streets To England where my heart lies My mind's distracted and diffused Thoughts are many miles away They lie with you in your sleep And kiss you when you start your day And the song I was writing is left undone I don't know why I spend my time Writing songs I can't believe With words that tear and strain to rhyme That was Jesse Epstein, our guest, live in the studio for the first time ever playing Kathy's song, which is one of his first sort of in his early Paul Simon 1.0 days, right? That's right. That's yeah. me in high school in my bedroom just over and over again. That one. Messing up, messing up. That and, one. And continuing, yeah. Yep. What other songs were you learning contemporary to Paul Simon when you were first starting to sort of learn guitar? Um, what else were you kind of messing yeah, around? Yeah, I was doing a lot of um, Iron and Wine yeah. um, at that time. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was listening, uh, I was trying to play all the songs from... Uh, uh, Illinois, the, the, oh, the yeah, Sufjan the record, sure. yeah, yeah, and then trying to do Beatles stuff as well. Um, but again, it's just like so much less approachable and yeah. harder to not take stairway. To. You didn't just go right, <laughs> right into to Zeppelin. Let me start at expert level and work my way back. Yeah, it's actually not that hard, really. Or at least that was what I started with. I got an acoustic guitar, and my dad's best friend teaches guitar. Yeah, and he taught me Mrs. Robinson immediately. It's like three chords. Yeah, beautiful, so fun. And then I started getting into like you. It was like uh, just all finger picking and tabs and so stuff like fun. that. Because yeah. it was so accessible. Yeah. How could you explain what tabs are very briefly for someone who might not know? Uh, yeah, a tab is uh, a it's it's on the internet at yeah. least. It's kind of I think. <laughs> is it where, exclusively where they... the internet? Well, I'm not sure if people were like printing out tabs. I guess it's possible right. that that they were, and it basically shows you uh, how to play a song. Literally, um, where and, to put your and fingers. for finger picking, yeah, it like assigns a number to each one of your fingers and yeah. shows you the the six strings of the guitar in, in the order in which to pluck them because learning guitar can be daunting if you don't have a teacher or the money to like learn on your own right yeah but that is like one way that it's actually quite accessible it really if, is if you, you are... don't have to know how to read music exactly yeah, that's that, amazing that's yeah. the thing yeah. it's like it if you just have a studious mind and you feel like i want to get better at guitar yeah i have the drive i know i will work on it tabs it's all are your way in it's all there and, and the in the internet has made it so much easier to just get anything yeah and you know teach yourself right. music yeah and then it was so helpful for me to have someone who who knew guitar in kina at the time who you know i could go to if i had any questions yeah. um blackbird was the first song that oh, I yes classic, which is finger picking and that, that i think that's what really piqued my interest in yes. doing that yeah it's the third act of the no joke podcast we always like to remind you guys please hop on to itunes rate review yeah. and subscribe always know. goes a long way Please do. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Miss R- Mrs. Robinson, and I. It sort of occurs to me that like that whole graduate soundtrack was all Paul Simon, oh, which okay. may have sort of. Did that help put him on the in terms of his career? Was that like sort of a level up for him in terms of his? I would imagine that one that was pretty assume, Yeah, right? I mean, they did all the music. There was I the love entire films that do that. Yeah, it's so rare where it's, it's just true. one musician doing yep. the whole thing. But it's you know who does that a lot now? RZA. 
Rizza. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the Wu-Tang Clan's main producer. He does a lot of like uh, ninja films. He scores a lot of movies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but for the soundtrack to be basically another Simon and Garfunkel yeah. record. Essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it just with like five of the most famous songs ever yeah. in one movie. I mean, when he closed, he did like a, I think he did a double encore at yeah. the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. He did Sound of Silence. Yes. And then he did The Boxer. Oof. And... It's like, I, I think that was like the most famous song I've ever seen yeah. live. I, the I just, Boxer? Yeah, I just found myself thinking like as he's playing the song and everyone's going, la, 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 la. And like, I was just watching. It's like, oh, he wrote, wrote this, this song. Like right. he was in a room with a guitar and then he made no. this. And I just found myself thinking like from now on, when every time I sit in a room and pick up a guitar i'm gonna try to write the boxer yeah but it's like you never know yeah. like and totally. you guys are writers right totally. so when you sit down i think that's like the most magical thing about music yeah. you have no idea you know six hours from now when you leave this room true you might come out with the boxer you're or true. something well, or something 90 percent of the yeah. way that, you know yeah you're, you might come out with a boxer do you guys do you guys think about that when you're writing like just sort of the possibility of the day is, is kind of incredible to me and like i think keenan and i think about this all the time where it's like Songwriting, in, in a way, and writing is kind of like an, an archaeological dig where, hear me out, Yes. you kind of show up with your shovel, right? In most days, just dirt, right? Like probably 99% <laughs> of, of days of an archaeologist, just dirt. Yeah. Dude, I'm hanging then, on to every word. Okay. In perfect sense. And then, right, one of those days, boom, and you hit, you hit a bone and you start kind of playing around in that world. And sometimes... It's like an entire T-Rex. Yeah. Totally. Like, right? And sometimes it's half of a T-Rex. And then you have to like spend another day looking for like the bones at some like... Right. But you can't throw out the bones animal. that you found yesterday no, no. because those bones are important too. Yeah. It's you just got to take your time with this. You show up it with the shovel. You're you know? so right. It helps me as a writer to kind of imagine that and, and not get frustrated when you don't write the boxer that's, or, that's or exactly. anything like it. I don't, personally, I don't ever think of like uh, where this could end up in the public sphere. I do know that I could have, like, I don't know if I would ever like uh, ever set out to do something that would have such huge response like the boxer, but I have my own personal boxers. Yes, <laughs> you know for yourself, I mean? yeah. Not, I, I don't mean like, will you be on a stage in front of 50,000 people? But totally, writing, I mean like, yeah. I, there are things that I've written that have never gotten made and maybe right. no one has even read before that I know I've done and that levels me up. That, yes. that Like it's like, that is a new achievement unlocked for yes. me. I think that this is a, a like a, I've, I've outperformed myself right. yes. through so much hard work. Yes. And it's a, yeah, I think it's such a product of just digging and yeah. commitment, commitment. It's it's our own personal boxers. Yeah. That we're, our own personal boxers, boxers briefs. That yeah, we're exactly. To... You as a touring artist and us as uh, touring comedians, it's like yeah. we, we start to develop our set and then we just take that set out. You know, like we know totally. the 14 sketches we're going to do. Is that the same for you as well, where it's like, these are the songs we're promoting right now? Yeah, and... I think that, you know, and I imagine you guys do this too, where it's helpful to throw in uh, something else and a new one, right. you know, when you're eight, you. eight days in, you know, three weeks into to a tour and you want right. to like play something new. Right. But I think for the most part, you know, you, you write songs and you work on them. And I think part of the really exciting thing, having an audience, or right. e even if it's a tiny audience, like when you're in the writing process, to know that you're going to get to share this yes. with someone, yes. like makes it so much more special. It, it goes and it has a kind of a home of its own. It with, makes with the dirt days else. worthwhile. And especially it's like, yeah. as long as you factor into the creative process that like the dirt and the 90, like you're saying, Jesse, the 99 days of dirt that precede the one day of finding the T-Rex bone. It's like, that's part, that is, yes. if you can make peace with that, and not only make peace, but if you can enjoy or yeah. embrace those 99 days of nothing yeah I mean, I mean it makes it so much more special right yeah. imagine if you found a full t-rex every day you'd be like ugh, 
God, all these T-Rexes. Like, where am I going to put all these T-Rexes? I'm too huge. good of an archaeologist. Yeah. I, I literally only have room in my house for max two T-Rexes. <laughs> do, you, do you think there's someone who thinks he's just way too good of he's an archaeologist? Too good at this. Every time I go out, I find a full dinosaur. It's bullshit. Yeah, you, you don't want to be born into luck. <laughs> with I, want, I want to know the most confident archaeologist. He's like, I am just, just every time. I'm you just going to find a new, a new amazing. He didn't even start guy. out that confident. You know, he just walked out in dirt and was literally tripping over woolly mammoth. <laughs> yeah, the totally. woolly mammoth found this. Yeah, guy. it's true. Dan finds. A new amazing dinosaur every time out. We're just gonna need to like hide the dinosaur bones better, guys. Because yeah. Dan is on fire, exactly. <laughs> just setting him up. Yeah. I, I only ask about the, the set lists and stuff because yeah. this dude has been a working musician for 60, 40, oh, 50 years. Yes. Something yeah. like that. It's like the Rolling Stones too. It's like it's such a achievement just to like take on that marathon. Yeah, and say, yeah. I love it. This is what I do. Yeah, yeah. the fact that he keeps writing new music. Yeah, though, is incredible. He doesn't have to do that. No, Woody music. Allen doesn't need to write new movies. No. You know, it's like, but it's the spirit of the artist. That's yeah. what's so like encouraging to me. Is still, I consider myself a young artist or young in my craft. You yes. are. That you're, it's, you're right. Yeah, you know that it's. And it's it's that creative yeah it's that creative fulfillment that as artists we're all searching for mm-hmm. you know even if we've made Graceland and even if we've written sixty years of incredible music you know he he's already done that yeah. he wants to do the next thing it's yeah. really admirable right to me. shout out to Paul Simon's cameo in Woody Allen's Annie Hall oh one Annie of my Hall favorite, he's in Annie Hall one of my favorite cameos what does he do in Annie Hall he's like in L A like a producer he's the producer music producer yeah he, yeah Woody uh, like goes to this like L A house party <laughs> and of course Woody hates L A and Paul Simon is is meant to be this like caricature of L A and he's like host this party and he says some bullshit like yeah it's because you should come over it's going to be a real good time like real mellow it's going to be super mellow Jack and Angelica might be there and he's like this LA douchebag but he's perfect <laughs> but he's great he's amazing and he's in one of the best movies of all time little Paul Simon oh my god yeah. <laughs> what but, a career man, he is a consummate New Yorker Paul Simon I mean that's the other element to him is that I feel like because you grew up in Queens and I've seen the letter in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame they have the letters that he and our Garfunkel would write to each other as campers yeah. summer campers talking about like a girl he was like yeah. kind of keen on yes exactly that's right, probably right. the Hey School girl song it's like comes from that seriously yeah yeah um, he's the greatest guy and his gentle little New York accent is also music to my ears like right. when he talks he's got that accent that to me reminds me of home like yeah. feels like hearing either of our parents talk Bill yeah it's just like that gentle little Queens brogue right that just takes me right home it's totally. the third act of the No Joke podcast we are now talking we're going to try and talk about the future of Paul Simon which is a scary thing to approach <laughs> yeah. oh, no. so rather yeah. I would ask who are some of his living contemporaries today is Bob Dylan a contemporary of Paul Simon? Sure. I, I think they did a tour together, Saw actually. At one, did you really? Yes, I did. In Albany, New York. My parents wow. and I went to see Bob Dylan and Paul Simon. And they um, performed together at one point. They did. They the did set, Sound of right? Silence, and it was awkward. No. It was very oh, I awkward. I say awesome. And awkward. changed halfway yeah, yeah. through. <laughs> oh, no. It, it, was, uh, it was, I mean, you can imagine Bob Dylan very and Paul Simon harmonizing. Yeah, exactly. Bob Dylan harmonizing oh, no. with anyone. Yeah. It's like two octaves below Garfunkel. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. So it was definitely a perverted, sort of twisted version of The Sound of Silence that we know and love. But it was amazing seeing two, not just one icon, but two 20th century icons that kind of, traipsing around the stage. To me, that's kind of like you have all these great sodas in front of you, and you can't decide which soda you're going to have with your meal so you put like half coke and half orange soda yes and it's like you know i think i'd rather see a paul simon concert with one meal <laughs> exactly. and then probably a bob dylan concert with yeah another. two slightly different meals yeah don't fill you your don't cup with two different together. sodas there's yeah. like, sound of silence is great with just one of them that's a suicide that's what they call that right you put all the sodas in the in the one so you guys know that go I on if you go to called. like the i think that's what it's called at least it's what we called it growing up yes. in orange county if you go to like mcdonald's and you put you know, you, you put your soda, you fill your yep. cup with all the sodas. Okay. Yes. We called that a suicide. Why a suicide? I guess it's probably like bad. <laughs> it's like a bad thing. 
It's like because like, you don't want to mix all the sodas. <laughs> now was that? What did you guys? Call would you that? need to be dared to do that, or would it's you just, just like, say like, "Hey guys, I'm riding out of suicide"? Yeah, I think. I don't, know if guys... I, I don't know if I'm impressed with somebody who's uh, <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot just to say, hey, I just shot myself in the foot. I get it if it's like, last guy to finish his burger has to drink a suicide. Yeah, but right. You would just, some guys would walk up to the table and be like, hey, I'm doing a suicide I today. think it was just like, look at this. Look how cool this is. Yeah. You know? Suicide to me is just hysterically dramatic when it comes to uh, a soft drink. Yes. <laughs> just to refer to it a is. soft drink mishmash is. as a suicide is It's just the shock value of it. Like, yeah. I, I was just reading about a uh, kind of a subway challenge where, where someone said, you know, make the worst sandwich. Like, what's the worst sandwich you could possibly make? It was on Reddit, I think. Okay. At, at Subway. And, and the winner, and, and the, the guy said... I will, like, whatever is the top-rated comment, I will go eat the sandwich yes. tonight. Yes. And I will take photos of this, and I will tell you about it. Brilliant. And the winner, I believe, uh, was just, you go in, you said, like, just white bread, and then all of the sauces. <laughs> just every, <laughs> just every sauce. Ew. Suicide. That's and, suicide. And you, have to, and you have to say, keep going, I think, to the sandwich artist keep as they're going. making it. Yeah, yeah. I love Until, that. That is an ingredient. <laughs> that, that's part an ingredient of it. is verbalizing, keep going. Until they're physically uncomfortable with putting more mayonnaise and buffalo sauce and then the light mayonnaise. Yeah. Did you follow the Reddit? Did the guy get the sandwich? He did. Uh, did the I pictures pay off? It was so disgusting. Right. You guys should look soaked in sauce. Yeah, and it was like, it was like, Pour it was like <laughs> pouring out of both sides of it, right? Flowing, <laughs> just all of yeah. That's the suicide. That's a suicide. That's a better name. A suicide is a better. Yeah, I think that that is that's more a subway apt for suicide. That. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good opportunity for us to encourage our listeners. We're going to piggyback off of what Reddit wants. Yeah. If you guys have any Subway suicides for us to try, maybe we'll consider it. Yeah, let us know. If you guys have a gnarly-ass sandwich that can be constructed at Subway or Quiznos or elsewhere, hit us up. We'll in, eat it. In fact, I'm just curious about what the most disgusting sandwich you've had at uh, Subway is. <laughs> yeah. Because that uh, th- those that's pretty limitless. Yeah. I once asked them um, what is in the... It's like the BMT. It's yes. not the Italian one, but it was bologna, which is already a fake meat. And then yeah, he we're said, already going down. Yeah. <laughs> he said that. And then the second one was, it wasn't exactly this, but this is basically what it was. Turkey-like substance. Turkey-like substance. You can't call it and, turkey. And, and I asked him, I was like, turkey? And he no. said, no. Nope. Turkey-like substance. They're not substance. legally allowed. Is that it? Exactly. It's like when KFC, <laughs> do you know when Kentucky Fried Chicken had to stop calling itself Kentucky Fried Chicken because no. some sort of like health code violation oh wasn't technically God. chicken? Oh. And so it had to just be KFC it's so now? so frightening. Yeah. I, I, I met someone who was a, a food scientist for a chocolate company and I'll say, unnamed chocolate company. Great. And his job was to try to lower their cost as much as possible um, of their chocolate bar, but make it so they were still legally allowed to call, call it chocolate. chocolate. That was his... So all the chemicals that you could put in I it, would say that's until, industry-wide. Yeah, that was that, his those job. are jobs That's his job description. Yeah. yeah, what is the legal limit? Cheaters. Yes. Oh. I, I cheat. I'm our company's cheater. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. It's so scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we've lost a lot of legends this year. We've lost Prince. We've lost David Bowie. Yeah. So can we just... I don't know if there's a god, but if we could all just take the next few seconds... Not literally, but to pray that Paul Simon gives us another 30 years. At least. Can we have him hit the century mark? That, that would, would be, be one for the good guys. I would just... His birthday I would, together. And then he'd write an album when he's 101. It'd be fantastic. It'd just be, be so like, Wow, good. he was 101. One just wrote a great old, record. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Paul Simon, uh, God bless him. We man. love you. Yeah, yeah, we love you. We love you, Paul. And I'm sure you'll be listening to he this. He will, Paul. right? You yeah. told me that beforehand. That yeah, he'd absolutely. Be, okay. yeah. He's Great. the only listener for this episode. And okay. if he doesn't fantastic. listen to this, he'll listen to No Joke After No Joke. 
Definitely. Our podcast after <laughs> yes. the podcast. Some joke. A uh, uh, podcast recapping no joke. That's right. Yeah. Well, Jesse, man, we'll see you forever, but thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, Jesse. thanks for having me, guys. You're the best, dude. Yeah, this is the No Joke Podcast for it. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>